Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times that we live in. And today's episode, Benji and I are talking about why your marriage, yours, whether you are already married or whether you are about to get married or whether you're 12 years old and you still have some time, but why your either present or future marriage matters so intensely much to this world in which we live and why it matters now more than ever. Because we're in a very decisive time within humanity and the future is reliant upon the decisions that we make as individuals, but also as a collective whole. And marriages are where our hopes and our dreams either grow and thrive and impact the lives of people that maybe we don't even meet because of how connected we are to our source of power through our marriages. Or they act as a place where the worst of us comes out and lives and shines, in which case it really has a negative impact on us and the world at large. So your marriage is kind of like the incubator for so much of what you want to see existing in the world. And everything that you think and feel and do contributes to either a thriving entity of a marriage or the erosion of your hopes and your dreams. So what you do matters and we want to support you on that journey. So let's get into it. Benji and I unpack this issue and we really want you to get the main essence, which is everything that you do really matters, especially within your marriage, because that's when all of your efforts are duplicated and triplicated and exponentially impact the world at large. So let's go. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Benji here. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> and Andrew. And today we're going to be talking about why your marriage or future marriage matters now more than ever before in a time when marriage is being put under the fire and being questioned daily. Is it even worth it anymore? Mm -hmm. Oh, I heard marriages. You don't even need to get married. 50% of marriages end in divorce. And the rest, the other half, they point. just want to get divorced. They're too lazy. They're too afraid. Yeah, we want to dispel certain myths. And we also want to talk about really the seriousness of how much marriage favors the bold and enriches your life as an individual, but also how it helps society. Mm. And we're going to try to speak clearly and not too idealistically, but like practically, because it does matter like a lot in terms of life, happiness, in terms of your personal power, in terms of your dying days, what you value, how much marriage factors into that. So let's unpack this puppy. Let's take this puppy out and it. train it and talk to it and love it and kiss it. So Benji, are you married? I is. Okay. I is. I be married 11 years now, 12 years this year. When? What's your month? October 2010. Mm. October 10th. Oh, you're 10, 10, 10, right? Yep, 10 a.m. I was sitting there getting married. I heard about that. That was a big one. Now, let's start, I guess, broadly. And one thing that I'd really love to touch on is the fact that marriage, first, you have to commit to the process of marriage, not just to the person, but to the process. Because if you just commit to the person, then if you stop liking the person or you're struggling with the person, 
you're basically done. It's like, it's really hard to stay motivated to be married to that person. That's one massive issue that I see happening in our society based on feelings and convenience, which is, I don't like you that much. Can we just leave? Can we be done? Versus being committed to the marriage itself and the process of being married to the individual. So you're committed to the individual, but also the larger entity known as the marriage. So when you did get married, were you clear on that part in terms of like, were you just committing to the individual or were you committing to the blessing or the marriage itself? Yeah, good question. For me, it was really clear. I mean, when I got married, it was not like I understood all this stuff or even yes. that I was pretty immature as many of us are when we start. But I think what worked for us is that I understood clearly that my purpose is not to be happy necessarily. That's not the goal. But rather I understood that happiness is a byproduct of growth. And when I got that, the purpose of my marriage is a process of learning, a process of growing, and a process of learning how to be a more loving person, how to expand my capacity to love somebody and go through the ups and downs of life together with someone. That was well, kind of we, my commitment from the beginning. Can we unpack that? Because I think that that's... No, you can't. Sorry. Okay. I hate you. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. This is like a complete worldview shift from yep. what's presently projected 24-7. And so I just want to make sure that everybody understands what are the practicalities and what are the repercussions of both worldviews? So one worldview is happiness is the goal. The other worldview is... Growth is the goal. Happiness is a benefit of pursuing growth. So if you were, say, pursuing happiness as a priority, then how would that be different? Why would that be different in your marriage? Well, I think to an extent I did to a little bit, to be honest. And I think that's from maybe societal or cultural upbringing in thinking that what happiness is to me was a little bit skewed from the beginning, to be honest. But it's actually through the process of marriage and being committed to my wife that I learned what happiness really is. You know what I'm saying? So I guess in the end, it depends on your priorities as an individual and what you believe ultimately what happiness is. Because if happiness to you is having that house and the two dogs and the car and the, and the three kids or no kids, right? And traveling the world in your minivan and, and all that. If that's happiness, then that's the priority you will put on life. And you'll see the lens from the end goal of when I get here, when I get that lifestyle, then I'll be happy. I mean, a lot of it has to do with upbringing. But for me, I guess my cultural upbringing is that I believe that marriage is the epitome of the purpose of life, not just getting married, but actually expanding my ability to love people and to love others is really the epitome of what brings happiness, the most amount of joy in our relationship, but also in our sex life is through committing to a person. And it's through that growth of learning stuff. Like my wife's from Japan, right? Yours, your wife's from Mongolia. So I mean, it's like I never, ever would have imagined that I would experience happiness from getting married to a small Japanese woman from northern Japan that didn't speak any English and doesn't like many of the same things that I like, right? But over the last 11 years, I have learned that I am actually the most happy when I'm going to her hometown in Japan where no one speaks English and I'm forced to learn Japanese and it's hot as hell in the summer. But it's like through those experiences that I'm happy because... I get to learn stuff. I get to experience life. I get to experience different perspectives and cultures and they get to grow. And my kids get to experience that culture as well. I've learned is like, that's more happiness than it is not. Yeah, I think we need to figure this out clearly because there's nothing wrong with 
traveling in a bus or whatever, right? It's just that I think what you're alluding to is that if that's the focus, then your life becomes about attaining that and maintaining that at the expense of everything else. So like, I want this kind of lifestyle to be this kind of happiness, to be this. And your whole life becomes in defense of that. So sacrificing, a lot of people sacrifice really important stuff like having kids because Mm -hmm. it's not convenient to a certain lifestyle. That's a big difference. Convenience versus inconvenience. If your life is focused on happiness, then it's really about maintaining a convenient life, doing things out of convenience. Rather, if you're focused on growth, you'll do things that are inconvenient in service of growing and being married is a giant inconvenience. Having kids is the most inconvenient thing that you could ever do, right? It's jarring for your sleep. For a while, you need more coffee than is probably healthy for you just in order to function because you're not sleeping so much. You don't have like, it's hard to finish a sentence for 10 years or so, right? Because every time you try to speak to your wife, (laughs) there's something that interrupts you. So all of this is at the expense of convenience. And I think that that is a fundamental shift because the pursuit of happiness is about forcing your external environment to fit into your desires rather than finding the best way to fit into your external world. It's like outside in versus inside out, if that makes sense. So that's really, really important because again, happiness too has very clear limitations. And if you're focused on the outside world making you happy, then if it's not, if your outside world is not making you happy, then you need to change it. And that includes people. Oh, my friend is not making me happy gone. Oh, my spouse isn't making me happy. Get out of here, right? It's very much in the realm of you're not serving me anymore. So therefore you must be cut out, right? Versus Mm -hmm. if you're really focused on the process of growth, then you see difficulty as almost helpful. It's not a bad thing. It's a helpful thing. And it's something to figure out and to move with rather than to get rid of. If you're just focused on happiness, then anything inconvenient is blocking you and it must be moved and got right, right. disposed of. Whereas mm. if your focus is growth and something's in your way, then it's to be figured out, not necessarily destroyed, but to be worked with and figured out and incorporated sometimes into your life. So let's yeah. say like, okay, we're fighting. And in our cases, we've fought a lot over the years with our wives, right? I'm at 10 mm. years, you're at 12 years of marriage. You reach this point where you're just like not talking for days or sometimes Mm. weeks. If your mind is focused on happiness, then you're like, I'm not happy. So Mm. this needs to stop and you need to change so that I can be happy, right? And if not, guess what? This is over. And that's dating. That's what dating is. Whereas in our case, we're like, okay, so clearly we're in a rut here. What can we learn from this experience? Your automatic instinct is like, how do we fix this? Not how do I get rid of this? It's a different feeling. It's a different energy of like, how can I repair what's not working so that it works better versus how do I throw this piece of junk out and get a new one? Does that make sense? Totally. That's like what you just explained is exactly what my wife and I went through. The first few years we lived together, we were living in Japan, Tokyo, most stressful environment in my entire life. First time we started living together. And I honestly brought that expectation of happiness into my marriage. I was young, naive, 
And I wanted to have a very clear, like, we do this every day. This is how we communicate. And every night we do this together. And when we talk, we look at each other in the eye. And every night we have pillow talk. We tell us all these ideals that were overly idealistic and thinking that it would just be smooth all the time. And I had this, wanted to portray ultimately, like we're a happy couple. And to me, this is what happiness was. So when we were faced with reality and we were, you know, like you said, fighting neck to neck at each other's throats for, for a long time, it got really bad. And I remember one pivotal point in Japan and Tokyo where I was so upset, not because my wife was being anything. It was because of these arguments and because we were fighting, I felt like we were failing. I feel like because we don't have this perfect marriage that I try so hard to prepare for and to work for it because it wasn't perfect, I was failing. And I took it really hard until one time I just ran out the apartment, like screaming my head off and throwing stuff. And people were like looking at me and stuff. You can imagine like Japanese people looking at this American dude, just throwing stuff in the streets. Anyways, <laughs> after doing that, after like running out, yeah, they were like pretending like they didn't see me. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> You were throwing stuff? I was throwing my backpack, you know. And just, <laughs> you have, that's called a hissy fit where I come this from. This is, yeah, or a homeless crazy <laughs> man in downtown Tokyo. But, you know, Japanese people, no one's going to be like, dude, are you okay? Like, what are you doing, man? Stop. No, they're just, they just like, oh close the blinds and <laughs> don't talk about it. <laughs> so I had like this breakdown and prayer. And ultimately, like, I went to, I think, the right source because my commitment from the beginning was I want to grow, I want to make this work no matter what no matter what, like that was my commitment. So I had to change my perspective and I could not change my wife. So my perspective changed. The pivotal point was I realized exactly what you're saying, Andrew, that this process I'm going through is actually part of what is going to make me happy. This process is actually exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Because yeah. I have this ideal, like God prepared me for this marriage and this blessing and it's supposed to be like this. But then I realized like this is actually what it takes to become the man that I want to be. And when I realized, I was like, I kind of calmed down. I was like, actually, you know what? This is okay. It's going to be all right. And we seem to be able to understand that through the lens of maybe education, right? When you're in high mm -hmm. school, you don't expect that you're going to have a university level understanding of the world. You expect that you're going to graduate to that. So it's like when you're in kindergarten, it's planted in our brains that you're going to be in school for a long time. So after second grade, you're not like, I'm out. It's just, you know that this is the long game. And I guess finance, you know, a lot of health, physical health, you don't just do like 25 push-ups and you're like, I'm done. I did it. That was my part. Now I can just never work out again. But for some reason in the realm of relationships, it's very binary. It's like, we're either in a good relationship or we're in a bad relationship and bad relationships need to be thrown away because it's not working, right? And what you're saying is really, really important for everybody who's about to get married or recently married, or even if you've been married for a long time and you need this shift in your mind, which is when you're seeing through the lens of short-term, like I want to make it right or I want nothing at all, then you're gonna give yourself so much pain and suffering. Whereas if you can see this and play it like the long game, then it's just a blip. Whatever you're going through is just a small blip and it's a life lesson that you cannot otherwise learn. You have to go through this in order to form. And this is what it is. It's all about rounding your edges. We all have these spiky points in our character that you might not even be able to see until we're in a relationship over a long period of time. But there's certain things that make us really irritated. 
or depressed or for me, I get really spiky and sarcastic, right? Like there's certain parts of me and the more that I've had, you know, the longer I've been in a relationship with my wife and also the more kids that I've had, the longer I've had kids. I realized this last night, I was trying to get my kids out of their bath. It's so cute. They all share a bath. There's three of them, right? And they make a giant mess in the bath. And then after to get them out is like a big ordeal. And I used to get so stressed out. And last night, they were doing the same old shtick, taking a long time to get out. I was not even remotely reacting to the environment. I was present, but I wasn't tight. I wasn't frustrated or anything. I was just waiting for them to sort themselves out. And that, I realized, took years of learning how to breathe it out, years how to not freak out and be like, what's the point? Years of learning how to communicate myself calmly instead of snapping at them or whatever. And that's made me a more chill person. But it took years. And mm -hmm. you know this. You and I both have somewhat spastic, reactive <laughs> personalities, right? And in order to train your nervous system not to react, like, like tighten up oh, yeah. when somebody says something, you have to learn how to chill. And that's a process. Mm -hmm. And again, so one big reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I was giving a talk here, my local community about marriage. But it was also the week after this war started in Ukraine. And I felt really bad because like there were Ukrainians in the audience and their families mm. were in some, their family was in Ukraine. And I was like, how am I going to talk about families when they're really worried about this big world level stuff? And I realized, look, all of us want to help this crisis. We all want to be somewhat useful to this world, right? And when you have no way of influencing, I have no friends in the army in Russia or whatever that I can say, hey, can you guys just stop being assholes for a second? Like, I have no ties over there. But one thing that I can do is I can invest in my family at this time. I can be a rock for my family. And the more that people act like this, the more that society at large can be stable. There's such a cascading effect when there's a certain amount of stable families. Because those families can make sober decisions. They can invest their time and energy in creating resources and help for other people in need. But if you yourself are struggling, you're of use to nobody. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have anything to say to that? Yeah. Stress. It's a big conversation in itself that we could make a whole episode about. I actually think we should do that. Stress is a big one, man. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about stress recently, like especially regarding porn and how people escalate in stress over time and use porn to alleviate stress. Anyways, we can get into that. One thing I think, yeah, it's hard to know what to do about these situations. But like you said, just investing in yourself, doing what you can. I think if you're married, if you have kids, and or if you have kids, your opportunity to impact not only today, but generations to come is like incredible. You know what I'm saying? Like you have three boys that you're raising in a good environment to be good men like think about the ripple effects that that'll have on their kids, right? Absolutely. It's being proven. So this is the thing. You're impacting society in the present and you're impacting the future when you do take the time to fix any broken or frayed relationships that you have. And this is the other crazy thing is like, we're like, why can't they, everybody just get along? World peace, like North and South Korea unite. And it's like, okay. Do you have anybody in your life that you're not talking to because you're resentful of them? How about starting there? And 
one of the hardest relationships in the world is the husband-wife relationship. And if we cannot keep that intact, then we have no basis to project peace anywhere else. It's like nations, forget about it. If you can't keep peace in your home, forget about keeping nations intact. So it really does boil down to us. As much as it seems ludicrous, it's the most practical thing that you can do is maintain solid rapport with the people in your life. And the people who are most need of that are your spouse, because that's where you're going to get all of your power from. It really is like the most important thing ever. And if you can get your power from your family, then you can leave your house powerfully and nobody can buy you out. Bro, like the richest people in the world, if you look at like the top 10, whatever, pretty much all of them have had sex problems. Like Elon Musk is allegedly the richest person in the world. He cannot keep a relationship at all. The next one, Bill Gates, is just coming out how many affairs he actually had on Melinda. She left him. She's like disgusted by him. Jeff Bezos lost his wife for having an external, you know, the richest people in the world cannot keep this together. This is a major issue, right? Mm -hmm. It's gnarly how bad it is, but in order for them to be helped, we need like, if you have a stable relationship with your wife or vice versa, and then you go out into the world and you talk to people like that, you don't have to preach, you don't have to say anything, but just the power that you have is you cannot be bought out by that. There's no person that can tempt you enough because you're too tightly bound by your spouse that you're not going to cheat on them. And also you're not going to do something really regrettable, like do some shifty deal or like steal from people or malign people or anything because your power is coming from the true source. And yep. it would just feel too much in the opposition of that real power. I think one thing that I want to get into personally is because I work a lot with single folks, right? Who are trying to prepare for marriage and the blessing. And a topic that I've been really getting into that relates to marriage is limiting beliefs. So without getting help self guruy on us, limiting to beliefs are really powerful when you understand what it does to you, actually. And a very, very, very clear limiting belief regarding marriage that almost everyone believes is marriage is hard. Yeah. And therefore, I won't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. 50% of, you know, whatever. End in divorce. It's hard. It doesn't work. These are limiting beliefs that almost everybody that's single will go into thinking, oh, it's difficult. Now, not saying that marriage is not challenging, but the point is that it's not marriage itself that is difficult. But in fact, it's more about the individual because if all marriages would, were hard, then everybody that is married would just be stressed out all the time equally. Does that make sense? Sure. But it's not the case. There are people that make marriage work and it's enjoyable. And it says more about the individuals than it does about marriage itself. That's, that's my point. Absolutely. I mean, these are all such important foundational things to work on, right? Like if you are about to get into a relationship or you're in a new relationship, like how you think about what you're entering really impacts your relationship with it. So if you think it's going to be hard, then it's going to make you more tense and less prone to doing the things that you would do if you thought it was easy, right? Yeah. That easefulness isn't quite there if you're prepared for it to be hard. Whereas if you just understand that it's a journey and there's a lot of highs and lows and you're up for everything, you're just up for the game of it. You're up for the challenge of it. Mm. You're up for you know everything. Right. Then whenever it comes, you're like ready for it. We're like that with 
so many other things in life, but not love. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Here's like a more narrow example of this. I was talking with someone who's single a few weeks ago, a month ago, and he said he was conflicted about international marriage because, you know, I'm international, you're international, lots of people are international marriage. And he's like, he said, I don't want to do international marriage because it's too difficult. Yeah. And I can't learn another language. Therefore, I don't want to consider it. So think about that for a second. The limiting beliefs in that are limiting you physically because you're unable to take action and unable to just go out and find someone. But also it's limiting the amount of people, the pool of individuals that you can choose from and develop a relationship with because you can't do it. And gene so, people. Right. <laughs> so anyways, this conversation, it's like we realize through give and take that international marriage itself is not difficult. But as an example, if you have two individuals who are, let's say, close-minded and unable to accept other cultures, races, beliefs, or languages, then yeah, it'll be challenging because of the individual and not because of the marriage itself. Yeah. This honestly is a belief that I had for many years in my own marriage. I thought that because my wife is from another country, another culture, my marriage is doomed to be challenging. But actually, it says more about me. Because like you said, many people are excited to travel to another country, learn another language, learn about another culture. And anytime that there's a difference in individuals, they go, cool, awesome, exciting. You know, that's a challenge. That's a new opportunity for me to learn something. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Because I feel like when you're from the same culture, in my opinion, 100%, it's more challenging to come from different cultures than different races. If you're like two Americans born in America from different race backgrounds, your cultural references are still the same. So there's a lot more congruency there. Whereas if you come from another culture, like medicine, education, bathing, everything is different. And so two things. One is when you're culturally from the same place, it's easier in the beginning because there's a lot of similar reference points. The movies you watch, things you grew up listening to and all this other stuff. But you then have the same cultural limitations, which becomes a problem unto itself. Not mm. worse or better, just different. And when you're coming from a different culture than somebody, there's a lot more upfront work to understand like where this person's coming from, but it gives you a long-term advantage because you can see each other's blind spots from your cultural worldviews. My wife and I have a game called, Are You Crazy or Am I Crazy? And we do that for especially medicine stuff and just like a lot of practical stuff, which is like the way that she views medicine and all that is way different than me. And we've had to dance around, like go from her, her perspective, my perspective and see who's more right in any given situation. And it changes, yeah. but it's uncomfortable because it's you got to admit that you're wrong sometimes or that right. your culture is completely insane for some stuff the benefits is you get the best of both mm. cultures and you get to shed the stuff that doesn't work because you can contrast them against each other. But it is work. It's inconvenience. But in the end, it works because of you. Right, Andrew? Yeah, it, ultimately it works, it works because you and not because there are a ton of people that would go, well, I'm right. So either you do it my way or this is over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that's the real benefit. So again, yeah, it's if I was in it, for convenience and for happiness, I was not happy for a long time because my wife completely disagreed with me on a lot of stuff. But if I was in it for growth, I'm so much more 
accepting of people who view the world completely differently than myself because I'm married to somebody who sees the world completely different than myself. And that's actually more helpful in the long run because I would say very few people, there's more people who are not like me than like me. And I can relate with them a lot more deeply now. Like the idea that marriage can provide you with that, a larger worldview, bigger heart is like, there's no bounds to the upside, but the downside are so much more visible and short term. The upside is more long-term, but it's what gives life value, right? And it's got bad PR. Having kids has bad PR, right? Because what has good PR is first-class seats. I don't know if you've seen some of these videos, people taking videos in first class of if anybody brings like a kid into first class, especially a baby that might cry, the first class people there've been some real like raging people like get that thing out of here talking about a baby and like it's going to ruin my flight even though it's like a 3 hour flight because it's really not convenient and this world is really there's a lot of negative press about having babies but the upside is i don't know having society requires babies that's another belief a limiting belief and the reason i'm saying it is limiting is because in the end it doesn't matter if it's true or not like the belief is having children is inconvenient and therefore it's difficult and therefore I can't do it because of X, Y, Z, because of my lifestyle doesn't allow, because I'm too busy. Yeah. Those are like, whether that's true or not, is not the point. The point is, how is that belief holding you back in your life? Marriage is too hard. Therefore, I can't do it. The chances of divorce are too high. Therefore, I won't even try. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. The matter is, is, is it holding me back? from actually doing the things that are good for me and good for society and for the world. The same goes with porn. All the time, limiting belief is, for example, I need porn in order to soothe stressful situations, in order to alleviate stress. I yeah. need porn because it's the only way to take me out of stress, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's not true because you don't need porn. <laughs> but the point is that belief in itself is what's holding you back. Absolutely. I like that a lot. Limiting beliefs are they're everywhere and we hold a lot of them. We do, yeah. And so that's why, you know, the idea that your marriage matters, this has been something that actually saved my wife and I. So my wife has held this belief deeply. It's a core belief that she holds that we are essentially Adam and Eve of the modern era and what we do impacts the entire cosmos. And so like everything we do has implications. Mm -hmm. And the way that you could interpret that is put a lot of pressure on yourself and every time you screw up, just hate yourself or whatever. But the way that we've taken that is, wow, so we better exemplify stuff that we would love the cosmos to emulate, right? That's really important concept to understand is that everything we do is tied to everything in the world. Like, mm. There's no person here that's not breathing the same air as everybody else. So what we put into our atmosphere matters. Same thing goes with our emotional state, our mental state, the state of our family. If our family is more stable, it makes it easier for other families to have stable families. If we're stressed out of our minds, it's much easier for people to feed off of that stress and to become stressful themselves. So I think that the idea of my marriage matters if you hold that belief, it's the most liberating belief because everything you do matters. So what you think there matters. 
What you feel therefore matters. How you speak to your spouse therefore matters. How you speak to your kids really, really matters, right? Then everything matters and that makes it what? Valuable. If you think things don't matter, then there's no value to anything. So you treat it haphazardly and cheaply. If you think that something matters, you'll pay more attention to it and you'll give more energy to it and therefore it becomes more valuable. Same with your spouse. That's a big one. If you don't value them, you are not going to treat them right. The way that you speak to them is going to be very dismissive. Yeah. yeah? I got you. <laughs> I think we should wrap it up. But guys and gals, this is something that if you're single, please understand that your preparation matters because your marriage really matters. If you are already married, then understand that regardless of where you're at in your journey, whether you're beginning, middle, or you're close to the end, you're 99 years old and you're on the precipice, know that everything that you invest into your marriage not only has benefits to you and your spouse and the marriage itself, but everybody that you interact with and even the collective consciousness that people that you might not even know, they're all impacted by this love that you're investing in. So please understand that and fight like crazy to let your marriage matter to you because it really matters to the rest of us. Any last words, Bonjai? No, that's it. Marriage matters more than we know. I thought you were going to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Marriage matters, everybody. So please, as always, email us. Still waiting for that one big email that we're going to get from somebody sometime. We know you're listening, so we hope that <laughs> this helps in some way. But we don't hear from you guys. So let us know how it's going. And you can go to iTunes and write us a review. How about that? Ooh, go to iTunes and write, go to iTunes, write us a review. Give us a star rating, whatever you want to rate it. And give us your comments. That's a great way for us to get feedback. And how about not whatever you want to rate it, but like whatever we'd like you to rate it, which is five stars. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care. and Peace out. Hey, Andrew Love here, and I wanted to plant a seed in your mind before you go. You see, a lot of people, when they start to consume our content, they listen to our podcast, they watch our videos, they read our blogs, they start to believe in the idea of freedom as a possibility for them and their lives, and it is. You can break free from porn, you can build amazing, eternal relationships, but it requires you to make the jump. It requires you to commit to transformation. And that only happens when you invite other people into your journey. You see, a lot of people think that because I got into porn by myself, I can get out of it by myself. And that's the wrong thinking. It's not about simply removing a negative force from your life. It's about creating fulfillment and connection and intimacy with other people. So we really recommend first and foremost that you build a team of accountability partners, facilitators, group members, and we can do that. We have all that waiting for you, but you need to first reach out to us. If you already have people in your life that you think can help you, we have online courses that will teach you both how to create a dynamic that works in terms of accountability. But if you don't have an accountability partner, we already have volunteers who are waiting for somebody to help. We have groups that are waiting for somebody like you. But your role and your job is to merely reach out to us and we can work together with you to create a powerhouse team so that you can build the life of your dreams. We look forward to hearing from you.